Hello. So, obviously, recently we've been in the Thy Kingdom Come week and we've been looking a lot at Pentecost and stuff like that and praying really for God's kingdom to come and praying for God to do it again like he did in the early church. And so I'm going to kind of look again in the book of Acts, but just a bit on from Pentecost or what comes next, um, some of the stuff there. And so this is Acts 2. Um, 42 to 47, if you want to follow along. Acts 2, 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I'm going to look a bit further on in Acts 4, um, 32 to 37. And it's a similar kind of thing. Um, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one apostle nicknamed Barabbas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi, and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field and brought the money to the apostles. So what I want to pick out of here is that it says that none of them had any need. In this early church, um, while there was a lot of poverty around, none of them were in need, none of them were lacking. Um, And actually something that the early church did really, really well was loving the poor. Um, And we are are crying out for God to do it again. We're trying to do the things that the early church did. We're going after prayer. We're going after communion. We're going after all this stuff because we want to see God do it again. But another really crucial and critical thing that the early church did was loving the poor. And actually, prayer is so critical with the Bible for revival, but also I would say that loving the poor is so critical for revival. Um, I went to a talk a couple of weeks ago and Bishop Philip North um, talked a little bit about this and he said that in, in Isaiah 61 it says, um, and Jesus read this out, that he had come to be good news to the poor, to bring freedom to the brokenhearted, to bind up and all that stuff. Um, and then those, and then it says that those poor, those people would go on to build up the walls and rebuild the broken cities 
and that restoration would come through the poor and those people. Um, and actually, what, what this bishop said is that renewal and revival will come from the edges, it will come from the margins, and it will come from the outcasts, and, the, and it will come from the pe- places that people want to forget. Um, and he said that actually looking through church history and revival history, he cannot find a single remo- renewal movement that has not begun with the poor. Um, if you look at Francis, if you look like we are at the act in the book of Acts, if we look at Leslie or Newman, it all begins with loving the poor and doing that really well and going after that. Um, and then they, it's they who will be, rebuild the city walls. Um, and I just I wanted to emphasise that as something that is so critical and it can be easy to forget. Um, but actually we need to really go after this. We need to spend ourselves after loving um, the last, the least, the lost, the neighbour, maybe, maybe it's physical poverty, maybe it's loneliness, like the one around you, whoever it is, actually we need to be so intentional with going after them and loving them, because that is where we will see renewal and revival, because we're praying for it, but that's, that's part of how it comes, um, and that's so essential. Um, so looking at the early apostles, it says that they lacked nothing, and and that they had, yeah, none of them were in need. And I don't think this was entirely down to their great sharing skills. I actually think that they had something else. And I think that was that they really understood God as provider. That they really completely got, good, got the idea that God provides for them. And that's why none of them had need. It says that um, they treated everything they had as not their own. Like, that's crazy. And I'm not in that place yet, but I would love to be. They, they treated everything they had as gods and free to give away. And the thing is that God really is a provider. And he's really been taking me on a journey over the past year or... Well, longer than that, but of showing me how he provides and that he is a provider. But more than that, that he is a father who provides not just a distant provider. So growing up, I've been richly blessed with amazing stories of God's provision that just seemed normal at the time. Um, so when, we were, when I was little, sometimes we didn't have much money and sometimes we wouldn't really know where the next meal was coming from. Um, and there was this one time where we, yeah, my parents didn't have much money um, and they were a bit, bit worried about what we were going to eat and then a potato truck had a spillage up down the road and potatoes poured into our driveway. <laughs> and we had potatoes. And I loved it. And, uh, but actually, he is a father, and that is my father providing for me. Um, and there's other, uh, other crazy stories about God providing for me and my family that I've grown up with and kind of come to think is normal, which I think is totally cool. Um, but some of them, there's, there's one, and some of you have heard it before, um, and it, it's the story of God providing, but it just really shows his sense of humour and the fact he's, he's my daddy and he loves to provide in a way that makes me laugh. Um, so, and I know that some of you have heard this before, but 
Um, I think it was four, four-ish years ago, my mum, my sister and I had been in holiday, on holiday in the Lake District, um, and we were driving, well, my mum was driving back down, and she, there was horrible traffic, she'd be driving for hours, and she was really tired, but we were trying to get down to South Wales, where my cousins and auntie and uncle live, because we were going to stay there, but, like, the distance between the two is a long way, and my mum was, um, yeah, very tired. Um, and so we'd stopped at Bangor, which, if any of you know, is in North Wales. We were looking around for, because um, at one time Emily was thinking of going to uni there, so we had a quick look around, and as we stopped, Mum kind of realised how tired she was and thought, yeah, no, I don't want to have to drive all the way, and we stop, we get a hotel. And so, after spending some time in Bangor, it was, yeah, we, we went to the Premier Inn and we said, um, yeah, asked for a room for us for the night, and they said, no, we're completely full. Um, actually, it's graduation day um, tomorrow for Bangor University. You won't find anything for miles around. And they phoned the next nearest one, which was 20 miles away. They were completely full too. We're like, okay. Um, so we had no choice really but to keep on going, and we kept on going. And we saw another hotel. We stopped there. We asked, have you got any room? And they were like, no, they don't have any room. And so, um, we, yeah, so we kept on driving and down, down through Wales a little bit. And then we came in, this is crazy, but we came into this little, came into this little village um, and it said Bethlehem. <laughs> As we came into this village, this tiny village in North Wales called Bethlehem. At this point, we were like laughing so much because it was just crazy coincidences. Um, and we went through this little village and... Yeah, and then it was, it was getting later and later, Mum was getting more tired, and we were just about to go into kind of Snowdonia National Park, and as soon as you kind of get in there, it's pretty much, we might as well keep going through the night and get there. Um, and Mum, yeah, she was, she was like, if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. And we were praying, but kind of, yeah, not really expecting much. Also, we had the dog with us, which was another issue for hotels and things. Um, yeah, so we had gone through this little village called Bethlehem and then we were driving, um, we just started to go through the mountains, we saw some mountains and then um, as we turned the corner we saw this great big hotel in shining lights and we pulled in there, we thought, oh, we have to pull in there and we asked if they had anywhere and they were like, well we can't take dogs, um, so no. And then we were like, okay. But then they said, and they said, round the back, we have a converted stable cottage <laughs> where you can take your dog. And they gave it to us at a reduced price and we stayed in this stable conversion. We looked at all the photos of it. It was lovely uh, for the night. And yeah, at this point we were all like trying to work out which one of us was pregnant. Like it was... <laughs> And to be honest, I still don't really know why God did that. <laughs> like, other than the fact he's my daddy and he has a great sense of humour. There's no other reason. He loves to provide and he likes to do it in, in funny ways. Um, but kind of a few months ago, I realised that I was thinking about God's provision slightly wrong. And actually, when I was in... I spent some time in Norway and actually I saw God's provision really amazingly there with hitchhiking and crazy God instances, which I won't go into now, but um, 
yeah, I, I had some time just sat in the mountains and I felt God say this to me, so I wrote it down in my journal. I'm going to read it. Um, and it's this. I am teaching you about my provision. You thought that you had to be pushed and in danger to see me provide. That I could only be swayed if truly needed. That is not my provision. My provision is my delight and it is my delight to give it to you. I am your father. I lay stepping stones under your feet as you walk. And actually, in that moment, I kind of realised that I didn't, I understood God as a miracle worker, but not really a father provider. Because actually, God isn't just interested in big stories where he can swoop in and rescue us and it makes a great story. He actually lays stepping stones under my feet as I walk. He cares about me that much that he does little things. And actually, having something every day doesn't mean that it's in any less way provision. Like, does provision have an expiry date? If you have something for longer than six months, is it no longer God providing it? And like, actually, it's all, it's all him laying stepping stones to my feet because he's my father and he delights to do that for me. And he, he smiles at being able to do that for me. And that's, that's something I've been starting to understand, that actually, his provision is in big things. And you will get crazy stories of God providing him. It's also in, in the little things because he's my daddy. And actually, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us today our daily bread. And it turns out daily bread actually means daily bread. It's, it's the little things. Um, and with the, the idea of um, understanding God's provision comes this idea of contentment. And this is another thing I've kind of realised that I've got a bit wrong. Um, I kind of thought that contentment was like an emotionless indifference that, that I just, it meant not being affected by anything. But actually, contentment isn't about indifference, it's about knowing him as provider. And it's about being anchored in the consistency of his nature as provider and his, his goodness in, in all things. Um, and that's, that's something God's been speaking to about recently, um, and I'm definitely still on a journey with. Um, but sometimes um, we know that God is the provider in our heads, we know it, and sometimes we don't allow him to provide for us. We don't allow his provision. Um, I saw Heidi Baker give a talk last year and she explained um, a bit of her story. So if any of you don't know who Heidi Baker is, I'm sure many of you do, but she is a very, very awesome lady um, who lives in Mozambique um, with, and does loads of work with orphans and has been doing it for years and years. Um, and she loves uh, these orphans so well. Um, she's an amazing, amazing lady. Um, but sometimes she goes to speak to um, speak at different conferences and things, and she was explaining how um, when she goes to a conference, often the church that is hosting her will book her out like the penthouse apartment, and she'd go, and this would happen like quite a lot, and she'd go, and she wouldn't be able to sleep on the bed 
she would sleep on the floor next to the bed because she didn't feel she could sleep in this apartment. Because she never asked them to book this, this for her, but their judges just wanted to bless her and do it. But actually, she said that God one day really convicted her about that and spoke to her about that and said, Holly, I did not give you a poverty mindset. Sleep in that bed. I am your provider. I am your father. Actually, we need to be in a place where we allow God's provision and him to father us and rather than rejecting it. Because it, it is easy to fall into a poverty mindset. Someone else who really understood the provision of God is David. Um, so I'm going to read Psalm 23, which we all know, but just really beautifully illustrates him knowing God as a father. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is, that is someone who knows their daddy God. And actually there's, there's a line in there that really challenges me, and it's, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And actually, on one sense, that is tough. Because I do lack things. There is so much that I lack. There is so many needs that I am desperate to have fulfilled. There is stuff in my life that I don't have. But yet, I lack nothing. Like, that's, that's crazy. Um, for example, I lack a dad. And actually, I'm going to talk a little bit about my journey with that. Um, so many of you, well, a few of you knew my dad. Um, so my mum and my dad went to this church kind of 20 years ago, and um, they lived in Slapton. And my dad was a handy man in the village, and my mum kept breaking things so he would come over and fix them. <laughs> um, and that's how they met. Um, and my dad was always just really good with his hands. He was really good at mending things and fixing things. In fact, he laid this carpet that we're on today with a teenage fee. Um, and, yeah, he was always good with his hands. When um, he, we actually, um, they were given some money and bought this rundown cottage and my dad built uh, an amazing entire house just, just with his hands. Uh, well, machines as well, but on his own. Um, and he was always 
just so good at fixing things. And um, when we were building the house, we had this big JCB digger in the garden that my dad brought um, off of eBay. And it was amazing. I loved this digger. We used to, me and my sister used to climb on it. We used to sit in the um, front scoopy bit and he, it was the best fun, that digger. And um, one birthday, my dad got me a digger toy and it was an exact same model, same everything digger as the one in my garden. And I loved this digger toy as well. Um, partly because it reminded me of all, all the great memories um, with our digging because we had eventually had to sell it because we didn't need it anymore. But um, yeah, so I loved this digger toy. And for whatever reason, maybe my room was too messy and there were toys every room. I don't know what happened, but it got broken and the back kind of bucket bit snapped off. And I was gutted because this was my favourite toy. Like this toy was important to me. Um, and first what I did is, well I cried for a bit, and then after that um, I thought, you know what, I can fix this, I can fix it myself. And I got our trusty supplies, blue tack and sellotape, and did, did my best. And it kind of it held it on, but the scooper could no longer scoop, so it wasn't really a scooper, and it just wasn't, it wasn't doing what it was meant to do, and it just didn't really work. And then I thought, I don't want my dad to see this. So I hid it. And I hid this toy, um, and I wouldn't let, well, I didn't want my dad to find it. Um, but then after maybe, probably wasn't very long, probably a couple of days, I decided that I missed my digger toy too much. So I took the pieces, and I went to my dad. And I said, Daddy, I broke my digger toy. And he took the pieces and he went into his workshop. And then a couple of days later, my digger toy came back. And it wasn't just as good as new. It was actually better than it was before. Because before it was, had like plastic spokes and where the hydraulics bit was, it was all plastic and quite easily breakable. But no, this time it was metal. And it was so much cooler than it was before. <laughs> And that's kind of a bit of an analogy for, for my journey with brokenness and with, with losing my dad because actually my, my dad died of cancer five years ago. Um, and, and when my dad died, if I'm honest, it broke me. Um, yeah, and there is stuff in life that just breaks us and there's lack that feels so deep that it feels like pain and it's so real and it sucks like there's 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 no way to dress it up it is utterly awful um and with this brokenness what i did is first of all i tried to fix it myself like the digger you try and do things you try and keep yourself busy you try and do everything to make yourself okay and convince yourself that you're alright, but that doesn't last very long and it's not very good fixing. Um, and then what came next was sh shame and wanting to hide it, didn't want to let my family know that I wasn't okay, didn't want to let God know that actually I was not okay. 
But you know what? I also knew that, that my Heavenly Father is good with his hands. Yeah. And he's a restorer. And so I went to God with my broken pieces and I said, God, I am broken. I am hurting like hell. And he took me and he restored me and he rebuilt me slowly and gently. He's, he's really gracious, Father, but he rebuilt me. And actually, God's the same. When he rebuilds something, he doesn't leave it as just about okay. He does it better than it was before. Like we have a God who works all things for good. And that means that all things have worked for my good, even the completely, utterly rubbish stuff. Like he is the God who takes ashes and makes beauty. He takes mourning and turns it into joy. He took dust and made man. And he takes my brokenness and your brokenness and our lack and makes it beautiful. And the reason that he can do that, the reason that he can take brokenness is because he was broken. He was broken on the cross. Isaiah 53 says, but, verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by, our wound, by his wounds we are healed. And that healed doesn't just mean physical. It's a binding. It's a mending of hearts. It's complete healing. We are restored by his wounds. And actually, since my dad died, I have experienced God as a father in such an amazing way. I have felt God fathering me every single day. I have felt him hugging me. I have felt him affirming me in my masculinity. I have felt him doing all the stuff that a best father could never even hope to do. And actually now I can stand in the place of saying, I lack nothing. Yes, technically I lack a father, but I lack nothing. Everything that we need, our, the solution to all our lack is found in him. He is a healer, he is a restorer, he is a redeemer, and he is a provider. A question that the Lord often asks me is, what do you need? What do you need? And if I don't know what I need, I ask the Lord what I need and he tells me what I need. Um, but actually, I think that is a really powerful question and I'm going to ask it to you. Like, what do you need? What is it that you need right now? What words do you need to come from the lips of God? What do you need him to say more than anything to that that stuff you are feeling. What is it that you need? Because it is found in him. I'm going to pray in a minute and the band will come back up, but I would like to, to 
challenge you to spend some time just answering that question, what do you need? And telling, telling Daddy, telling, telling God what you need because it is found in Him. And actually for some of you, it, it might be physical healing. Some of you, it might be other stuff. Some of you, it might just be Jesus. You just need Him. Um, but we're going to have people by the spiral staircases if you want prayer for, for this. Um, but yeah, then go up and see them though. Bank come back up and then I'll pray for us all. Um. Father, thank you that you are my healer and redeemer. Thank you that we lack nothing. We lack nothing. Everything we need is in you. Jesus, whatever it is we're struggling with right now, whatever lack, whatever need, you are the provider. Father, I just ask that you'll be speaking into those places of lack. Thank you that you are teaching us to see extravagance in small moments. You're teaching us that, that you are a provider and that we lack 